the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We're going to read a portion of Scripture here and get right into this service. Amen. I appreciate our worship team, their blessing. And uh, they've done double duty this morning. And our ushers, too, and many folks in here, greeters, I appreciate you. In John chapter 20, starting with verse 1, we're going to read it and then we'll pray. It says, The first day of the week came Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark under the sepulcher and saw the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher and he stooping down And looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, If thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for this great privilege to come, to be in this service this morning, to feel your presence and your spirit. And Lord, I know, God, you're doing a work among us, Lord, and I pray that you continue that. And God, that each and every person in here will be touched and ministered to today. I pray right now, Lord, for an unction from the Holy One that you will anoint these lips of clay because, God, I can't do anything without you. I need you desperately, Lord, this morning to strengthen me, to equip me, to give me an anointing to preach. 
Lord, that would burn in the hearts and lives of each and every person, that would burn in their spirit like you did uh, to those men on the, uh, the road to Emmaus. On the Emmaus road, Lord, their hearts burned within them. Lord, I pray that you will minister something of truth, your truth this morning, and that the, the reality of the resurrection and what it means and what it is to us, Lord, will become activated in our life and come alive. And I'm praying and believing you for that. Help me today, Lord. Have thine own perfect will and way, and we give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' most holy name we pray, amen and amen. I'm preaching here for just a little bit on this thought, the power of the resurrection. And let me just say this so that you understand where I'm going this morning. The great power in the cross and the great power in the resurrection is so that you and I could be saved from our sins. So that we could be redeemed. It's all about eternal life. Because if there had been no cross and there had been no resurrection, we would not have salvation this morning. But because of all of this, we have salvation. So the Lord kept impressing upon my heart, it's all about eternal life. And it's about me restoring and redeeming and reconciling my creation back unto myself. Through the cross of Calvary and through the sacrifice. That's what it's all about. It's not Easter bunnies and, and pastel colors and, you know, all of those kind of things. It's none of that. It's about the resurrected Savior. And because He rose again, we have eternal life. If we believe in Him, we must have faith in Jesus Christ. And if you don't have salvation this morning and you haven't received the Lord and, and ask Him to come into your heart and repent of your sins and ask Him to forgive you, you can today before you leave. That's what this altar is for. We have all an altar up here so people can pray. Amen. This isn't religion. This is about relationship. But I want to preach to you for just a little bit here this morning on the power of the resurrection. And what a beautiful day it is today. What an awesome day of celebration as we celebrate our risen Savior. And I rejoice to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because it is pregnant with revelation. It's pregnant with truth. It's pregnant with power. And it's pregnant with hope. Amen? It's just full of life, and thank God. I once was dead in my trespasses and sins, but today I'm alive in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We need to hear the, the message of the resurrection and not just on Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday because it's words of life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Thank God for the life of God. And the power of the risen Christ is not only our hope for heaven and a resurrected body one day, but also a Holy Ghost filled quickened life. I'm thankful for the quickening of the Holy Spirit this morning. But as we sang and as Sister Skiles quoted, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body and your inner man too. He brings something alive in you and your spirit comes alive because eternal life is just not for the by and by, the sweet by and by. No, no. It's right here and right now. I have eternal life within me and if you're in Christ, you have eternal life within you. Hallelujah. Today I want to preach 
Mary's encounter at the tomb. And for us to see the great revelation that's in front of us that a lot of times we don't often consider. I love John's account because it's just Mary and Jesus. We all need our own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? There's something beautiful about having your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the way it has to be. That's the way. It's awesome, amen, to have that relationship with Him. Mary, if you look at Mary's life and you see she was a woman that was greatly delivered. She had been demon-possessed with seven, seven devils in her. Jesus cast seven devils out of her and she was delivered. She had a love and a heart for the Lord Jesus. She followed Him. She was there at the foot of the cross. She was there the first one at the tomb. I think it's so beautiful. Ladies, I want to say something to you today. Don't ever let anybody discount you. I'm going to tell you God, through His Son, ministered to women and He I'm telling you, if anything, He brought women up to a place of rightful equality. Listen, I'm not talking about toxic feminism. I'm talking about equality. I can tell you, we're sons and daughters in Jesus Christ. Nobody's better than anybody else. We're all the same in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But reading this, Mary was a very sincere and passionate person. But in this passage of Scripture, right after the crucifixion, she was unbelieving. It's very clear. She was looking for where they laid him. Where have you taken the body? I want to go and find the body and bring it back and take care of it. And if you look at the Scriptures, except for John, it said John believed. They all saw the stone rolled away. They all saw the empty tomb that day. They all saw the grave clothes and the napkin in its place. Yet in verse 9, the Bible says that they knew not the Scripture that He must be risen again from the dead. They heard Jesus say many things, but this truth had not risen up within them. They heard Him say, you know, if you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it back up. They thought He was talking about the building. They thought He was talking about brick and mortar, but he was talking about his body. He was talking about how even though I lay down my life, it may be destroyed but I'll raise it up again. Amen. Because the grave couldn't hold him. Are you hearing me? The grave couldn't hold him. You can't kill eternal life. You can't blot out eternal life. Thank God for the eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. But getting back to this, they all heard him say these things. But Mary, like the rest of them did not realize the reality and the revelation of the risen Christ and how it solidified, it completed, it finished, and it secured salvation. Amen? I was reading yesterday in John 20, verse 22, whenever Jesus began to breathe upon them and he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God that brings salvation unto you and I today. Thank God, He breathed upon us and He gave us life. That didn't happen until after the resurrection. I just want to minister to you here this morning because it started out about salvation. I want you to stay here with me. Mary is any one of us at times. Any one of us. Ain't nobody in here, their faith perfected. If you are, come take the microphone. Every one of us, every day is fighting the good fight of faith. 
Isn't that true? But Mary is any one of us at times weeping, seeing the stone rolled away. She's weeping, seeing the body of Jesus gone. Can you imagine that a lot of times we're at a place of despair. We live in a place beneath what God has purchased for us through the cross. We don't live in the fullness of that. We don't live in the, you know, the, the manifestation of what God can do. Too many people are standing there and they see an open tomb and they see that Jesus isn't there and they still say, Lord, I just don't see, you know, I just don't see it activated and operating in my life. My God in heaven, can't you see right in front of you? God is speaking to you and telling you that the stone's been rolled away, that there's nobody in the that tomb because he's risen God is a powerful God don't live beneath what Jesus purchased for you she even said in verse 15 tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away 110, 120 pound woman going to go pick up the corpse of Jesus what does that have to do with this today I want to tell you something I want to declare unto you today that many a Christian lives on the wrong side of the resurrection because they feel like they've got to carry the load. They see it, but they don't believe it. You have to believe God's a God of grace. You have to believe He's a God of grace. Amen. Too many people caught up and feeling like they got to work their way to heaven. God's going to love me more if I do this. No, He's not. While you were yet sinners and I was... The Bible says, while we were yet sinners and without strength, God commended His love to us. I had a girl one time that had cancer and she was in the hospital. Oh, the Lord's telling me to go here. Amen. But as I, as, I, as I was asked to go and, and pray for her, I believe it was at UCLA Hospital. I remember her growing up in church, and she was, a, she was an on-fire youth. She was an on-fire young adult. She was full of the Holy Ghost. She was somebody that would pray and fast for 10 days at a time. A young, yeah, amen. She, 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 she began to subtly rebuke even preachers that don't fast and pray 10, out, 10 days. Uh, but she would fast and pray for 10 days, and, and she would seek the face of God, and she walked in the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of God. And, and, but she fell away from God. She got caught up in a relationship. That's why you got to know, amen, that you're equally yoked with the person that you're wanting to hit your wagon to. Come on. Come on now. You better make sure that you know what you're doing. You know the will of God for your life because it can set you back many years. But I, all I know is this, that she began to get away and got caught up in drugs and had a family. And, but then she got cancer. I, I, I just remember her playing my CDs. Somebody told me, she's playing your CDs and she's listening to that music as she was coming back to the Lord and she laid there in that hospital bed and she just didn't believe that God could ever forgive her again because she had went so far away and I said Lord I said I cannot resurrect this person's spirit but you can I can't do it but you can and I said God you've got to speak to me and you've got to tell me what I must say to her please I'm begging you she's on her deathbed and here am I I'm so 
unqualified. I feel so inadequate. And he said that scripture just like that. He said, while you were in sin, he said, I, I commended my love. He said, while you were yet in sin without strength, God commended his love and he gave his only son. Before you ever knew you were a sinner, before you were ever born, before the foundation of the world, he said, God already prepared, amen, for a savior for you. And so I walked up there to that hospital room and I walked in and I began to speak to her as she laid there. And I said, God will forgive you. And she said, I've done too much. He won't forgive me. I said, yes, he will. I said, I want to tell you something, my dear sister. I said, God said in his word that while we were yet sinners and without strength, God commended his love to us. I said he committed his love when you didn't even know who God was before you were even born. God already prepared and commended his love. And if you can't even fathom, you know, the foundation of the world, go back 2,000 years to when Jesus died on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And just like that, it, it just come out of me. And I said, if God loved you then, what makes you think he loves you less now? If he loved you then like he said he loves you, why would you ever believe that he loves you less now? God doesn't vacillate and isn't fickle like people are. He's faithful. He's faithful. Come on now. Oh, I don't even know where I was, but I'll get back there. I'm talking about life, eternal life, words of life. God began to speak that to me. And he began to resurrect her spirit. And just like that, she lifted her hands in the air. She said, do you really believe he will? I said, I don't just believe it. I know he will. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God who loves you. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And I've drawn you with my loving kindness. Oh, she lifted her hands in the air. In that bed with cancer, tears streaming down her face. She came back to Jesus, church. She came back to the Lord Jesus. The Lord took her home, but she went home in resurrection power and life. And she's on streets of gold today. And she's not got cancer. She's got nothing debilitating. She's where she lived her life and had faith to go. My God. You can't just start. you got to finish. And God's got to give you faith in the end to finish. Oh, my. Mighty God. You can't carry him. God doesn't want you to carry his son. Amen. I, don't, I want to declare to you today that many, a Christian lives on the wrong side of the resurrection. They see it, but they don't believe it. They never see his power activated in their lives. They, they, they see, you know, God's power that the, that the stone's been rolled away. They see the body isn't there anymore. They have a memory of Jesus or a knowledge of Jesus, but they do not grasp the power of salvation that's in the resurrection and the work of the cross. One of my most favorite scriptures is the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, 16 and 17. And he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God. 
God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Do you believe it today? Because if you believe it, God will change your life. He'll bring salvation. Like Mary, verse 15, they think they got to carry Jesus or help or add to Jesus. But it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Remember, he arose. Glory. He arose. And here is Mary, like any one of us, living outside of the power of understanding, not walking in the spirit of truth. And what it means for me, what it means for me, Almighty God, what does it mean to you? I can tell you, if you've got a broken marriage, God can put it back together. He's just got to breathe life into it. People got to get saved. He can't bless a mess. But he can turn your mess into a message. He can turn your test into a testimony. You can be too anointed to be disappointed. Amen. (laughs) He can speak life to every situation. You know how I know that? Because he did it here. He's done it in couples around this building. He's breathed life into them. Anything is possible with God. Anything is possible. If you don't ever hear it preached, you'll never believe it. But if you hear it preached, I can tell you, you can believe God for your situation. If people just get right with God and get born again, that heals everything. (laughs) Oh, I love this. Jesus sees Mary weeping and he says, Why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? You know, I believe sometimes the Lord is saying unto us, Why are you weeping when you can live in the victory? Why are you wondering where the body is when you've seen the stone rolled away? Come on now. It's just going to get better. But I love this. He says unto her, Mary, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she didn't even really respond. And he said, Mary. Wait a minute. I've heard that voice before. Aren't you thankful he knows your name? Aren't you thankful you know his voice and another you will not follow? There's nothing like that relationship. I'm going to tell you, when you have that kind of relationship, you know, we're always wanting to hear the will of God. And we say, oh, Lord, is that person for me? And he'll say yes. And sometimes he says no. A lot of times he says no, amen. But he'll say yes or no. You know, or he say, is this job for me? Well, maybe yes, maybe no, maybe wait. I, I don't know, you know. But you have all these. But when you hear that voice begin to speak to you, it's not just for the things in your life that you need to know the will of God about. Sometimes that voice will speak unto you and say, Jonathan, yeah, you need to forgive that person. Oh, that ain't the kind of prophecy I wanted to hear. Get in there and tell that wife you're sorry. Get on your knees and say, I'm sorry that I ever spoke to you that way or ever treated you that way. Yeah, we need to listen to when God says, speaks unto us. And he said, Mary, oh, I heard his voice. Why are you weeping? Why are you living in unbelief? I'm glad he knows my name. You know, the Bible says our name is written down in the Lamb's book of life, and our name is written down in glory. And I believe that whenever he says that we have a new name that's been written down, in my opinion, it's not so much a different name 
but our name acknowledged by God. We hear his voice. We know he knows our voice. He cares about us. I'll never forget years ago, I was going through a time. You know, we got time today, amen? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I remember years ago, I was going through a time of just a low moment in my life. And, 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 and I was going through a time where I just felt so uh, unaccepted or in, in essence rejected by my dad. My dad never rejected me. He loved me. That was all in my head, you see. It's all in my head. I can tell you right now. No matter what my dad or mom ever did or did not do, it doesn't matter. Because I'm saved today and I'm complete in Jesus Christ. No matter what I don't get from any other relationship in my life. I'm completing him. And all God's concerned about is you and him concerning you. Because you can't change what other people are or what they're doing, but you can pray God change them. But you got to worry about you and God. Amen. Your relationship here. So with all that being said, I said, Lord, you know, I saw some things that just broke my heart. I felt like in my life, in my heart, between my, my dad, that there was favoritism with another sibling. And, you know, I just remember saying, God, you know, I just feel this way. I feel so down and I just feel so dejected and, and all of this. And I, I began to ask something of my dad. I said, you know, uh, from the Lord, I said, Lord, I want you to speak to my dad and, and put upon his heart to give me one of his guitars. You know, I'm a guitar player and I love to play the guitar and I just feel like that if you'll talk to him and you'll speak to him he'll give me that guitar and that'll fix everything and complete everything in me that'll make me feel better I cried out to God a year passed by and I prayed a prayer I forgot I went to my brother's wedding and I'm in there and I was part of the wedding and and my dad said, before we start the wedding, he said, why don't you come in my office, son? He, my dad is a pastor in Paris, California. He's not there anymore. He's in Texas. But he said, I, I, the Lord's been talking to me. And I thought, well, what's he been talking to you about? He reached under that counter, and he pulled out that guitar, and he set it on the, the counter. you got to understand, my dad is a guitar player. A guitar. Butch knows my dad. Amen. My dad is a guitar-picking player like you ain't never seen. 42 guitars. Yeah. Felt like I was in Guitar Center one time. I was in his basement. I thought. He said, the Lord's been talking to me, and he told me to give this to you. So I picked up that guitar. He showed it to me. and It wasn't one of them Tijuana specials, I can tell you. It was a Fender Telecaster, American Standard, you know, you just, if you pick guitars, you understand. It was, it was made in the USA, I can tell you. That just bumped it up about eight, $800 right there. Just, but here I am holding this, you know, guitar, and I'm walking out. And I went out to my car, and I popped the trunk, and I put that guitar in there. And you that have been here for years, you know my story, but I'm going to tell it to somebody that hasn't heard it today. But I put that guitar in the trunk of that car, and as I grabbed the, 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 the lid of that trunk, the Holy Ghost spoke to me, and he said, hey, he said, first of all, I want to tell you something. Number one, he said, your dad loves you. And he said, and secondly, you prayed, and I can talk to your dad. See, for a second, you thought he was less spiritual than you thought. He said, but I can talk to him too. 
And he said, thirdly, he said, whether your dad ever did anything for you, I heard you. And he said, and the moment he said that, oh my God in heaven, I felt the life of God, just the, 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 the I can't tell you the confidence in the spirit. Like that, wow, God, you heard me. I got more pull than you all. Amen. You heard me. You heard me. He said, if I hear you, you're my son. That's all that matters. No matter what you do or don't get from mom and dad, no matter what, you got to know this. I heard you, son. And if I heard you, this relationship is the one that's eternal. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) He knows how to speak something within you, and you can see past the things that are in front of you. You can see the stone rolled away. Amen. God gave me that confidence and that faith. Listen, he said, my sheep know my voice. We can too, and I want to share the liberating truth that will set us free. And, oh, Lord, let the spirit of truth find a place in us. I want you to notice in verse 11 and 12, he said here in the scripture, he said, but Mary stood without. Well, we read that already. Yeah, but we'll read it again. Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and she looked into the sepulcher and she saw two angels in white sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus laid. What is so significant about there being two angels in the sepulcher? Well, I'm going to tell you. For all of you theologians, if you read in the Word of God in the book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 22... The Bible says when God put out Adam and Eve out of the garden because they sinned, we've all read that story, right? Adam and Eve sinned, and God drove them out of the garden. And the Bible says, the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil and to know, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Because if, if, if they would have taken of the tree of life in their sinful condition, unredeemed, they would have lived in their sin eternally in sin. Listen, you know what that is? Hell. Hell is separation from God. You don't burn up and dissipate. It's torments. It's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. People say, I don't want to hear hellfire and brimstone. That's what's wrong with the church today. People quit preaching about hell. They don't even mention it. But Jesus talked about it more than he did heaven. But let me just declare to you, when he said, I don't want man to reach out and touch that that tree of life and eat of it because he will live eternally in his sinful condition and be separated from God because they were. They were put out of the perfect place. And the Bible says, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So you have two cherubims here. Cherubims, plural. You have cherubims guarding the place where the presence of God was the most prominent or most evident. Was evident. Not most, but was evident. So two cherubims. So then if you go over to Exodus, turn with me over to Exodus chapter 25. 
If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read a short portion here. Because how many knows we need to know the Word of God? We don't just speak, you know, speculation or speak what we think. We speak what the Word of God says. So here we have again, here in Exodus 25, 17, it says, And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work, shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat, and make one cherub on the one end, and an other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubs on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat, shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat, uh, he said, mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee, and there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So we see that the cherubims are duplicated on top of the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. The Ark of the Covenant was a box with staves in the side. And inside that Ark was the tablets with the Ten Commandments, was Aaron's rod that budded and a pot of manna. That was the testimony of what God gave them and did for them and proved of them. And on top of that golden ark, because it was dipped or laid in gold, was a mercy seat and on each side was the seraphims with their wings, or cherubims rather, with their wings. And we see in the Garden of Eden, God said this tree of life cannot be touched. I can tell you, and those cherubims are there to guard it and then because it represents the presence of God the greatest place of perfection was in that garden of Eden and then we see the ark of the covenant with these cherubs on both ends and that was the place according to Numbers or Leviticus 16 when Aaron the high priest would come in he would make the sacrifice he would apply the blood on that mercy seat one time a year and that was what would atone for the sins of Israel Israel. And if you read that on your own time, you see that he sprinkled or put that blood and God began to respond with I forgive my children. I forgive the children of Israel. And then Aaron would walk out of that tabernacle and the people of Israel were waiting outside to see whether he was going to come out or not. There was a reason why they put a rope on the bottom of that priest. Because if he went in there and he wasn't right, he fell over dead in the presence of God. And they had bells on their robe. We've preached it before. Pomegranate and bells. And those bells would ring. They say, we hear them bells. He must still be alive. That's Bible. But here come Aaron walking out of that temple, that tabernacle, from the Holy of Holies. And when they saw him, they said, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. God has forgiven us. Let me share something with you. There's all kinds of types and shadows in the Bible. There's shadows of things to come. Those angelic beings represent the place where God is evidently dwelling. 
even Isaiah saw it in chapter 6. I saw the seraphims and the cherubims, and they're flying around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It represents the presence of God. Aaron put that blood on there, came out, and they said, We're, we've been forgiven. Jesus was the great high priest who not only was the great high priest, but he was the sacrifice also. And he laid down his life. Nobody took it from him. He laid down his life. And he gave it for you and I. And he was coming out of that tomb. Y'all aren't getting it. I'm going to tell you right now. The, when he came out of that tomb, what God was saying is, he came from that holy place. The blood has been placed upon the mercy seat. And he's come forth as the eternal God to say, you're forgiven forever. Listen, I want to give you some scripture here this morning. Go with me here. This ought to make you shout. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Go there with me. Because some people, they just don't realize what they have in Christ Jesus. They don't realize what they have in the risen Savior. They don't realize that, yes, He does forgive all of our sins, not some of them. You don't have to hold on to guilt and shame. He said in His Word that He forgives you of all of your iniquities and all of your sins. I was reading in Hebrews 9, verse 11, the Bible. i got to start up at verse, verse 7, though. It says, But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. That's Christ. While as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the, the time then present. It was, a, it, was a, it was a shadow of what was to come, which was Christ. In which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Which Stood only in means and meats and drinks and diverse uh, washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, I love that, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place one time he didn't have to go every year he didn't have to repeat the sacrifice one time he went in there and he applied that blood and it was accepted by God I love this it says having obtained eternal redemption for us aren't you thankful for the eternal redemption and that Jesus came out of that tomb he came out of that sepulcher and what he was saying is God forgives you God forever forgives Gives you, you've got the verdict of peace from the great high priest. That place where those angels were on each end of that slab were typology of a mercy seat. Did you get it? Angel, angel. Jesus is there, the sacrifice applied, the blood. It started from the very beginning. But God is saying, He absolutely 
made the perfect, eternal, full, final, complete, finished sacrifice. Okay, we hear you, Pastor. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. The stone's been rolled away. You got to believe it. There's no body in the sepulcher. You got to believe it. The angels are there and God is saying, don't you see I fulfilled my whole perfect law in Christ. Fulfilled everything. It's done. It's finished. I love this. He said that he would purge your conscience from dead works. Verse 14. To serve the living God. God has to come in and change our conscience. He doesn't just want to wash away your sin. He wants to change your heart. That's the problem with people. They come and they, get, they, they come to an altar and they ask God to forgive them of their sin, but they don't ask God to change them. Well, he'll give you the power to change. If you're a gossiper, he'll shut you up. If you ask him, come on. If you're a fornicator, he'll put your eyeballs back in your head and tell you you need to stop, you know, sinning with your, in your heart, looking upon somebody and lusting after him. You got a problem with pornography? He'll set you free. But you got to want to be free. There has to be a conscience there that's been changed. And God knows. Come on now. Come on. God knows how to shake that tree. He knows how to get a hold of you and say, I want to change your conscience. I can't just wash away your sin only. You got to change or you'll go back to it. Well, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things become new. This is the way, walk in it. If you've been freed from your sins, walk in purity and holiness. Holiness is not legalism. And the pursuit of holiness is not legalism. To pursue righteousness is not legalism. The Holy Ghost will make you holy. And He will change that conscience. I was sharing with somebody just yesterday. We're talking. And you know, the Holy Ghost will deal with our heart, but we have to let him. We have to want him to do it. There have been times, of course, things come up in your heart. You may feel a certain way, an attitude or offense or anger or something comes up within you. And the first thing you want to do is just let it sit there and fester and marinate on it. Don't do that. The devil wants you to dwell on it and keep dwelling on it. Keep thinking about it. You keep thinking about it, it'll fester and grow. Just remember, infection grows too. Hey, hey. The Spirit of God will come and say, I'm trying to change your conscience. I'm trying to change your heart. I'm trying to change you. I know you're angry about that, but ask God, help me, Lord, keep my heart pure. (sighs) Even if they were wrong, keep my heart pure. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Even if they did wrong, keep my heart pure. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, yes. We want resurrection life where you're not going to get no tiptoe through the tulips, pastel colors, and bunnies, and chocolate Easter baskets. You're going to get Jesus. My God. This ought to make you shout. In chapter 10, verse 12, I'm just going to read these short portions of Scripture and we're going to close. But in Hebrews 10, verse 12, it says, But this man, thank God for this man named Jesus. 
But this man, that'll preach right there. This man, this man is everything to you. This man will be everything to you. Amen. You know, there's some ladies in here. You think you need a man. You need this man. Come on now. You need this man. You've tried every other man. You need this man. Come on now. The woman at the well needed this man. Praise God. She'd been married five times. The man she was shacking up with was number six. And Jesus said the perfect man just walked into your life number seven. What you need is this man. Amen. You need this man. I loved it the other day. We were sitting down at the table and somebody asked somebody sitting next to him. They said, you know, do you have anybody in your life? And they said, I'm just, just Jesus. Amen. Amen. He's all I need right now. That's all I need. Until God brings somebody across your path and says that's the one, you just need to quit dibble-dabbling. But he said, listen, <laughs> I'm getting back there. But this man, somebody said, I ain't never going back. I thought this was supposed to be Easter Sunday. It is. He lives. He don't want you living in death. He don't want you living beneath what he's purposed for you. But he said in the word of God, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever, hallelujah, forever, not just one week, forever. So when the devil tells you the blood doesn't cover you anymore, your insurance policy with God is over forever. Forever. But this man, i got to read it again. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God and from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. What God is trying to say to you is don't you allow anything, amen, as a Christian to keep you from living in the resurrected power and life of Jesus Christ. Don't let any unbelief, don't let anything, he said, Forever he's expecting. He's seated at the right. That's my favorite scripture. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. That means God accepted him. That means he has power and authority. Then what he's saying is forever your sins have been forgiven. He's expecting till his enemies be put under his footstool. You and I got to put the devil under our feet. Hey, if you mean business, God means business. You got to make up your mind. Because it's not an issue with God's power. There's power in the resurrection. Forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever. I love that word forever. Them that are sanctified. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. When you come to Christ and you ask him to cleanse you from your sins and you repent, and he washes you in that blood, his blood, the Holy Spirit comes upon you when you get saved. You hear me? 
I know there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost and we need that. We need Him. But when you come down here and you get born again, you ask God to forgive you, you repent, He washes away your sins and He touches you and dwells you with the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God. And He said here in His Word, let me get back here. That's what that sanctification is, I can tell you. You say, well, every day he's sanctifying me. Haven't you preached on how that God's sanctifying us? I said we are sanctified and he's sanctifying us too and we need to make decisions to sanctify ourselves. That's Bible. So does he consider me sanctified? Yes, when you come to Christ, of course he does. He doesn't say, well, you know what? Mm, today you didn't do enough. So I'm pulling the sanctification. You know, I don't believe in eternal security to the degree that people can just walk away from God. Got saved at vacation Bible school at 7, and then they're 55, and they died in a head-on collision and a drunken stupor and died. And people get up and go, well, when they were 7, they come to Christ. I said, but what did they do for the rest of their life? They never exhibited any faith. They never walked with God. That's not, I don't believe in that kind of eternal security. But I believe in the eternal security that you can be secure in Christ every day you get up. You're under that blood. And you know whenever you do something you're not supposed to do or you're convicted, even if you get far, far away, God brings back up that thought just like he did with that prodigal. And he come to himself and he said, that's better in my father's house. Oh, aren't you thankful today that God spoke to you and told you it's better in my father's house. It's better in my father's house than it is here in this hog pen. It may have taken five years for you to get there, but he brought you to a place and he sanctified you. And he says here in the word of God, when, when, the, when the prodigal came back, well, I'm going to stay here for just a second. When the prodigal came back to his father's house, he didn't stop him and say, now hold on here just a second. You just, you just send away all of your grace. I'm going to have to think about this. And you're going to have to work off some time before I forgive you again. No, sir, he ran. He ran. He ran to that. The father ran to that son. He ran to him. He wrapped his arms around him. He kissed him. He hugged him. He loved him. And he said, come, kill the fatted calf. He said, bring a robe. Bring a ring. Bring shoes. He wrapped his arms around him. He ran to him because he loved him. Every day he was looking out off of that porch and he was saying, I'm looking because one day my boy's coming back. And he came to himself. He ran. Oh, Pastor Lee Ship said, you know another reason he ran? I said, well, because he loved him. He said, yeah, he loved his son. He said, but he had to get there before the elder brother got to him. Because if the elder brother got to him, he'd have said, you know what? Wait a minute. You left five years ago. What the heck do you think you're doing back here? You spent everything you had. What are you doing here? He knew I got to get to that boy before that elder brother does. Because when the backslider's trying to come home, sometimes there's people that stop him at the door. I'm going to tell you something. God is not like us. He loves us. 
And he forgives us, thank God. Thank God he's not like us, brother. Because if he were like us, we're supposed to be like him. But if he were like us, there wouldn't anybody be in the house of God. We'd bar everybody from coming into the house. But he said, you're sanctified. Why am I preaching this? Because somebody here this morning, you thought, and maybe you didn't even verbalize it, or maybe you've been fighting against it, but you thought God threw the clay away, but he didn't. He started over. He knows how to pick you up and start over. Aren't you thankful for second chances? Esther, aren't you thankful for second chances? Bailey, aren't you thankful for second chances? Celeste, aren't you thankful for second chances? Joe, second chances. He's a God of second chances. In fact, I found out that he's a God of about 1,500 chances. My God, the risen Savior. There's power in knowing. There's power in knowing. He arose and God accepted that offering. I could have summed it up in five minutes. He, he accepted that offer, that uh, offering of sacrifice of blood. And forever. But you don't know what I did, Pastor. God doesn't care. Because the Bible says in Psalms 103 that he takes our sins and he removes them as far as the east is from Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he remembers them no more. He takes them and he throws them into the sea and remembers them no more. And if you can just imagine, imagine your, your, your sins are a pebble of rock and he throws it into the sea. Good luck finding it. God said, that's how I feel. The only one that wants to drudge up your old past sins is the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. But he said in the word of God that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The testimony today to you and I is, yes, Jesus saves. And he arose so we can have confidence in that sacrifice and what he did. Life, life, life. Almighty oh, God, I got to close. And I'm going to. For he said, this is the covenant that I will make with them that, uh, that after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. No more. Is Lupe here? No. It's all right. I'm going to close with the story. There's an old Indian chief standing around the campfire. He saw this little Indian boy, real young, but he went over and he found a grub worm. And he, 
through a stick, put some coals in a circle. Hot coals. And he put that grub worm in the middle of those hot coals. And that worm was turning everywhere it went. It curled up. It was drying to death, but it was dying to death. Uh, dying. But dry, through being dried out through the heat and everything, it was burning. And it, it just, it, everywhere it turned, it couldn't find a way out. And the little boy ran away. That Indian chief went over there and he reached down and he picked up that grub worm and he went over and he put it in a bush. What God's trying to say to somebody today is this. What you could not do on your own, God by his mighty power did for you. You didn't even know he was looking down upon you and such great power and authority was looking down and concerned about a worm such as you and I. But at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. I don't know where you're at this morning, but we serve a God that will meet you and breathe life into you. If you're backslid, he'll breathe life in you. Come, repent, cry out to God. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're not saved, come. We got people that'll pray with you down here. They'll, they'll pray you through to the, 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 the sinner's prayer and to the Lord. They'll, they'll walk you through that and pray with you. We got some powerful prayer warriors. Today is your day. Let this be your day of salvation. Father, today I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the promise that we have in you. The promise of eternal life. That God, you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son. That whosoever believes in you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm seeking you today, Lord, to draw by your spirit and by your power each and every person in this building that needs you. Maybe there's some God that are away from you or they've been away or they just want to be renewed. I don't know where people are at, but I know this much. You are faithful. Lord, show somebody in here that you can still roll the stone away. Show somebody in here, Lord, that you're not in that grave, that they can have the life of God. Would you do that this morning, Lord? Draw hungry hearts. Draw hearts and lives. You're here this morning, Lord. We know your spirit is here. Draw by your spirit.